0: Welcome to the romantically inclined podcast this is episode one so please excuse what is surely going to be just a total mess of chaos i'm your host kate and if you don't know i run the romance novel review blog romantically inclined reviews as well as the romance novel meme page romantically inclined on instagram that used to be a review page but it went seriously downhill over the years For those of you who are already familiar with what i call work but other people would probably call a hobby i apologize okay i'm sorry that i brought what is mostly monster erotica into your life for those of you who are new to the romantically inclined family i'm calling us a family now there is still time to turn off this podcast before you wind up obsessed with happily ever afters and monster peens. Not mutually exclusive, it turns out. I'll give you a moment. Perfect. If you are still here, let's get to it. So the purpose of this podcast is basically just to force people to listen to me rant and gush about romance novels in yet another format. I've already got, you know, websites, and I have Instagram, and I have TikTok, and I have all my emails. But another way directly into your ears i'm super excited to get this podcast off the ground and bring you a fun combination well i think it'll be fun of book recommendations author interviews genre adjacent interviews like i'm really hoping to get a hentai artist on here because i have questions and conversations with my friends where we shit talk each other and recommend books to each other and do some buddy reads and things like that if you are a fan of podcasts with continuity and structure, this is not going to be the podcast for you. I'll just tell you right now, that is not my vibe. Every episode is going to be different and probably chaotic as fuck. I hope you're cool with that. The plan currently, and please keep in mind, this is episode one, and I am not sure where this is going to lead us, but the plan currently is to air three public episodes a month. And then one episode that's exclusive to my Patreon subscribers and to get access to that Patreon episode, it's a mere $1 a month. Okay. Before I get into the meat of this episode, which is pretty much just going to be a Q and A with me because people had a lot of questions for me. I just want to add a disclaimer. This podcast is recommended for individuals 18 and over. That is 18 years old and over. That said, I'm not your parent, and I'm willing to bet you probably have unfettered access to the internet, so if you aren't sure if this podcast is for you, please talk it over with a trusted adult. They'll probably tell you no. (laughs) As an additional disclaimer, this podcast is going to be discussing sexually explicit content. Very sexual. Very explicit. If this makes you uncomfortable, please turn it off, okay? That... That's what this podcast is going to be. There's not going to be really like episodes where I just focus on talking sweet shit and everything. It's, you know, even on episodes where I'm talking about proper romances or sweet romances or things like that, it's probably still going to get filthy. For those of you, however, who are simply uncomfortable with specific areas of content, I am going to do my absolute best to give accurate trigger warnings at the beginning of every episode so that you can make a decision on whether that is an episode you want to listen to, okay? Now for the meat of the episode. It is actually incredibly awkward to interview yourself. I probably should have had somebody else come on this episode just to ask me questions, but I didn't think that far ahead. So what I did for this episode is I asked a bunch of my followers what they wanted to know about me. And then I picked some of those questions because a lot of them were incredibly inappropriate, even for a sexually explicit podcast. And I just kind of put them together and came up with some answers that don't make me sound like an absolute loon. I don't, did not do a very good job. Also, this is like my 80th time recording this episode because people outside really like to mow the lawn at like random intervals throughout the day. A lot. Okay. Let's do this. To start, I am Kate. I am a 30, soon to be 31 year old woman. Uh, She, her pronouns. And I'm happily married to a man. And I'm a mom. And I met my husband, what was it, 10 years ago? And we've been married for about five we met when I was only a little baby, 20 year old. I couldn't even drink, but I knew I'd met the man I wanted to marry. And I currently work part time at a nonprofit, part time trying to keep my house even somewhat clean, very bad at it, and part time as a bookstagrammer. Although my husband would probably say that it is full time work, but I get paid below minimum wage. I get paid like no money. I get to pay no money, okay? I do this for fun and for free. Uh, For those of you who are wondering what my husband's opinion is on my reading choices, he does not give a shit at all, all right? I was reading romance novels before he came along, and I will be reading romance novels if he ever leaves. My reading actually gives him more time to play video games, which I really think that he appreciates, and... If you're wondering if he's at all embarrassed about what I do, the answer is also no. His friends follow my Instagram. His family follows my Instagram. Everyone's super supportive. Nobody gives me or him any shit whatsoever. So I know that a lot of people are very curious about what his opinion is. Uh, There's a good chance I'm going to be interviewing him on this podcast later, but I have to convince him first. And he's kind of a stickler about coming on here with me because he thinks he's going to embarrass himself or me, which isn't possible, right? I'm going to embarrass me. Now, the main question people had for me is how I got to this point in my bookstagram career, romance reviewing career, I don't know, how I got here. And so I just thought I would give my entire life story starting from the day I was born until today. Okay, actually, I'm just going to tell you how I got started reading romance novels. When I was 13 years old, a little BB, in the young adult section of my library, I was bored as fuck. YA books in like the early mid 2000s were, they were okay. I don't know if it was just my library in particular they didn't really have a great selection. But if you wanted romance, you were pretty much stuck with Sarah Dessen or Meg Cabot. And if you've read them, then you kind of know, like, they're not steamy books. You know, I'm not accidentally coming across, like, A Court of Thorns and Roses in my YA section, like Kids Today. And I was just really, really bored. And I was sick of reading, like, 300 pages for two people to have a little kiss at the end. I just wasn't really interested in that anymore. So I decided, hell, like, adults do more than kissing, so their books have to have more than kissing, probably. And I wandered out into the adult fiction section. They don't even block that off, you know. There's no like ID check to get in there. And I grabbed the first pink book I saw, which is pretty sexist when I think about it, when I think back then. But it also had a big sticker on it that said romance. And I was like, that has got to have some romance in it or this sticker is very misleading. And the book ended up being Absolutely Positively by Jane Ann Krentz, who is still one of my favorite authors to this day, and that book is so special to me. Um, but that was pretty much the beginning of the end for me. I started bringing romance novels to school. I saved up my money to buy them at the borders in my hometown. And yeah, I it's weird. I never cared what people thought about me reading them. If anything, I wanted people to think I was weird back then. So it kind of suited my, uh, personality, but I, yeah, no one ever really gave me serious shit about it, which is great. Anyways, I still don't care, obviously, what people think about me reading romance. And when I was 25, I got a job at a bookstore with my mother, and we got to be co workers for a very awesome couple of years. But I was super jealous because all these publishers sent free books to the bookstore. And I was the only bookseller who read romance at the time. And I was like, what the hell? Like, they're not sending any romance novels. Any. And all these all, all these other booksellers were getting these dope books, like, months before they came out. And here's me having to read romance as it comes out, like a pedestrian. And so my mom suggested, actually, that I start a bookstagram. She was like, oh, I've heard that if you have a bookstagram, publishers will just send you books straight to your house. And so I did And it worked. So you have my mother to thank for this, actually. But like I mentioned before, this my career didn't really start as a meme creator. I started by just posting reviews and pictures. But it turns out I'm really fucking bad at photography. Really, really bad. Like, even to this day, I absolutely suck at taking photos. I kept getting new phones thinking that that was going to solve the problem, but it turns out your phone can't make up for a sheer lack of talent in something that takes a lot of skill and a lot of work. Like, when you see these, like, flat lays on Instagram that are absolutely gorgeous, you don't realize sometimes how much work goes into making those. I have seen a couple behind-the-scenes videos, and it is insane. And I just didn't have the patience for that or the eye for like detail, but I did know that I was pretty funny. So I thought like, I'm going to just post a lot of memes on my page. And unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess the meme selection back then was pretty much limited to the same shit circulating on Facebook over and over again, like those e-card memes. And I was like, I'm not posting this on my page. I was like, no, like I'm either posting unique stuff or nothing. So I started making memes. Yeah, that basically set me down the meme path that I've been on for about five years now. Um, I think a lot of people, when they find my account, they think that I just like blew up over or like immediately when I started posting, I have had this account for about six years now and it did not get big right away. It took me about five straight years to get 10,000 followers. Okay, I hit 10k last September after doing this for so long. So yeah, if you're here hoping for some secret to like getting your account to explode overnight, I'm not the best person to ask for that. I worked really hard to get to this point. Yeah. So I can only really tell you to be genuine and post the shit that you think is funny and entertaining. Because that's how you're going to find the right people. And that's how you're going to find the people that are going to become really good friends so many of my internet friends i now consider genuine friends that i would like go to with real life problems not just like hey do you think this meme is funny hey what kind of porn are you reading right now so yeah that's basically how i got to the point that i am at now in terms of memes and stuff one follower wanted to know what draws me to the romance genre and i If you've been following me for a while, then you probably know the answer to this because I've talked about it a few times and I wrote like a whole blog post about it, but it is my anxiety. So I've had anxiety since I was a child, a young child. One of my like earliest memories weirdly started in the the third grade. I feel like a lot of people have memories a lot sooner than that, but this is one of my like most formative memories. And it was library day at school and I forgot my library book at home and keep in mind there was absolutely no consequence to this it did not matter we went to the library once a week but i was so distraught at the idea of like getting in trouble or just not being able to turn in my library book that i had a straight up meltdown that ended with me sitting on my teacher's lap i was like nine and i don't remember being embarrassed at all but looking back i definitely have i am definitely embarrassed about this story i mean i was nine so whatever but that's just like one little taste of how my anxiety affected me like as a child, as well as all the way into adulthood. And I cannot enjoy something without knowing how it ends. It is almost impossible for me. I'll be watching a movie with my husband and about halfway through, I'm like, I cannot keep sitting here unless I look up the ending to this movie or this show or even like books, I'll read the last few pages of a book because if it, I just need to know, even romance novels. I've been burned a couple times where it has ended on a cliffhanger or not ended happy when I thought it was a romance novel. And so that just exacerbated this whole issue. But the good thing about romance is as I'm reading it, no matter how angsty or how troubling or dark it gets, I know that it needs to end happy. And so just knowing that helps alleviate some of, like, the burning anxiety that just has a permanent home within my chest. It's like being slightly drugged to make it through my day. I don't know if it's like that for anybody else or if that's just a really fucking weird thing. Uh, the same person wanted to know what ca- format of romance novels I read, and so I, I read everything. So I have hardcovers, I have paperbacks, I have mass markets, I have ebooks, I and not really partial to one or the other. But I did develop quite an affinity for ebooks when my son was born, because I got KU and I could read on my phone with dark mode on, one handed and breastfeed at the same time. And so I think I read like 130 books in three months when I was breastfeeding. Turns out if you don't sleep, you can get a lot of reading done. Who knew? Life hack. Um, but I also read all subgenres of romance novels. And I think a lot of people just associate me now with monster erotica and like alien porn and whatever. But the truth is I read way more than that. I even read proper romances, which fade to black means that there is sex happening in the book, but we are not privy to it. So, you know, they, they shut the door in our face and later we find out that they had sex. Um, but you might get like heavy petting and stuff like that what am I from the fucking fifties, heavy petting, but proper romances or quote unquote, clean romance, which is kind of a, a difficult, uh, topic to talk about. I know a lot of people don't like that phrase, but it does still mean what it means. Means that there is no sex at all in the book. And pretty much the entire book is leading up to a kiss. I have read one or two that do not even have a kiss. But anyways i still read proper romances i read sweet romances i read r- romantic suspense is actually one of my absolute favorite subgenres. i read basic contemporary i read historical you know i, I kind of go through phases so i might become very obsessed with queer romance for a month and then all of a sudden i read a queer sports romance and now i'm knee deep in sports romances for a month and then i'm knee deep in romantic suspense and historical and you know it, it, i just switch it up so much But basically, if you have me slotted firmly in the monster erotica category, you are wrong to put me there, and you will find out as this podcast continues. Although, don't worry, if you're here for the monster peens, there will be plenty of those. I'm just trying to diversify a little bit. One follower asked me an incredibly rude question. They wanted to know what my favorite authors are. You're really going to ask me that? Ugh. I have to sit there and choose? Mm. they also asked though whether my tastes have changed over the years and so i'm going to start with the taste question because holy crap yes they have but also no they haven't let me explain i still love all the books i've read over the years if i loved a book when i was 13 i still love it now i do not go back and reread it and think oh my god what was i thinking no When I go back and reread it, I know what I was thinking, you know, I might not be 13 anymore, but I know who I, I remember who I was when I was that awkward weirdo who had just started reading romance. And so rereading those books just kind of reminds me of what drew me to the genre and why it connected with me so much and why it made me feel like I was finally a complete person. Oh my God, I need to talk to my therapist about this. But, yeah, I've never gone back and reread a book and and hated it. Every book I've ever loved, I loved for a reason, and that reason sticks around. even if it eventually, like that reason is no longer relevant to me today. I still remember why I loved it. My tastes, though, have definitely evolved with access to the internet uh, and ebooks and the explosion of the romance genre as a whole. But basically, when I was thirteen, I was, limited to the books that i could find on the shelf at my library or at the local barnes and noble and you know that was kind of not that diverse of a selection a lot of white couples a lot of uh, weirdly it was a lot of older couples a lot of you know when i started reading romance i was reading couples in their 30s late 30s early 40s because that's who jane and krentz writes for the most part so yeah i was reading a lot of i was reading adult adult romance (laughs) I was, you know, wasn't exposed to a whole lot. If you wanted to read monster stuff, you had to, like, literally go read, like, porn on the internet. Like, that was your option. And now the romance genre has changed so much and there are so many new kinks and fetishes and monsters and aliens and authors keep coming up with, like, super specific tropes, which is really fun. And yeah, I just, there's never been a better time to read romance so yes my tastes have changed in that manner or you know I guess I would say my tastes evolved they didn't change necessarily I like I said I I still love all the books I used to read back then I could pick up one of the very first romance novels I could pick up absolutely positively by Jane Ann Krentz right now and read it and fucking love it even though I would never recommend that book to a single other person mostly because it's one of my all-time favorites and i'm just not going to take the risk that that person i recommended to is going to pop back into my dms and be like are you fucking crazy this book sucks that is not a risk i'm willing to take in terms of favorite authors obviously jane Ann Krenz is up there though she introduced me to the romance genre i own well i mean she didn't personally but hers was the first book i saw and i take that personally i own all of her books under her three main pen names And I also own a bunch of like her random pen name releases under Harlequin back when she was like just starting out. She is the only author to this day that I am willing to buy a hardcover book on release day. And I know like that's kind of not that great of an accolade because not that many authors release their books in hardcover these days, except for some of like the older, like more established authors. But still, I consider that a very, very big thing because... I that shit's expensive. It's like $30 for a book that I could get an ebook of for like 8 or less. I could get a mass market in a year for $8. Anyways, that's a rant for a different episode. I am also currently obsessed with and keep in mind like once I love an author, I pretty much love them forever. So the list of my favorite authors is unbelievably long, but these are the authors that I'm currently stalking on the internet. Only James she writes uh, queer romance with lots of psychopaths. That's my favorite series of hers, but she also has like a Hitman series and uh, some other series that are, are equally as good, but her psychopaths hold a very special place in my heart. I would like to talk about that for a second. Maybe this should be its own episode, but that is hilarious because in a psychopath romance, the love is really only going one way. So the, the, the non-psychopath hero is loving up on the psychopath hero. But the psychopath hero can't actually love him back, at least not in the way that we, you know, assign the definition of love. But so I just think that's funny that like one of my obsessions right now is what people might not even consider like an actual romance, given that the two people can't love each other. But if you read the books, you will find that our definition of love is very, very small and it needs to be expanded. Okay, I'm done with that. I am also obsessed with Lily Maine, who writes gay monster romance. Uh, and it's like dystopian, which I'm not usually a huge fan of. But in this case, I think dystopian and monster goes really well together. I'm not really prepared to read like dystopian human only romances, because that seems like way too close in the future for me. I also read, and this is like I said, I read lots of different stuff, Katie Ruggle, and she writes romantic suspense slow burns. And I'm obsessed with her. Uh, I also love Finley Fenn, obviously, who writes my favorite orc romances. And Catherine Moon, who writes a whole bunch of stuff, but I'm very much obsessed with her book, A Lady of Rooksgrave Manor, which you could probably classify as like erotica as opposed to a, a, just a romance novel on its own. Because if you took out the sex from A Lady of rooksgrave Manor, you would have like eight pages left. It is maybe the romance, it's such, it's not even that long of a romance novel, but it is like 95% sex and it is amazing. I am also obsessed with Tessa Bailey, who writes like dirty talking contemporaries. And I once like screamed at her in a Starbucks at a book convention. And I still regret it to this day, even though she's never brought it up. And I would consider us acquaintances, which is really nice of her, unless she doesn't remember at all, which I'm not sure what's worse. And then I always, always, always love Alexis Hall. Uh, His books are one of those, like, every single book I've had to put down at some point and just go, what the fuck? Like, no person should have this much talent in their body in terms of writing, like, banter and dialogue and just hilarious situations. I, every time I read one of his books, I'm just like, wow, I will never write a romance novel because, like, fuck, I'm not this funny. Carrying on to other incredibly rude questions by followers, someone posed the scenario in which I am never allowed to read romance novels ever again. And that actually made me sick for a moment. And then they asked what genre I would read instead. But that's actually, that part's an easy question because I pretty much only read two genres. Well, three if you include parenting books, which like, I guess I do, but I would not choose those to read i would switch my attention to true crime that is because i'm absolutely morbid as fuck i love i spend a lot of time on like the unresolved mysteries subreddit and like the vanished subreddit i watch a lot of like forensic files and other true crime shows and stuff like that which as i read that question i realized is so hilarious because I just spent a whole, like, five minutes explaining why I read romance, and it's because my anxiety about not knowing how things end, and on the flip side, here I am, like, freaking reading stories about unresolved mysteries and disappearances, which don't have endings, but I think it's because, and again, I'll talk about this with my therapist, but I think it's because it's like being left on a cliffhanger that one day might be solved. So right now with all like the genealogy and and all these cold cases are being solved and so i might have read about a case five years ago or like 10 years ago that's like 30 years old and it just got solved last month and reading about that being solved is just the ultimate high it's like you just edged yourself for fucking five years and now you're getting relief that was a weird thing to say i'm so sorry <laughs> but i think that's why i love that and like true crime on the flip side, the true crime that does have an ending, it's like an immediate just relief. I'll sometimes watch a Forensic Files episode, and these are only like 20 minutes long. And I will look up, they'll be like 10 minutes in, and I'll be like, did this person go to jail? I have to know right now. And I look it up instead of just waiting 10 minutes to find out the ending to the show. Oy. Now, this is a kind of a similar question, but, some, well, or not, I don't know. But it hurt me equally. Another follower wanted to know what romance novel I would pick if I could only read one romance novel for the rest of my life. What? Who the fuck asked that question? That is such a mean question because I am 100% a mood reader. I'm like never in the same mood twice, okay? Here's the deal. After a lot of thought, I have decided that it would probably be The Lady and the Orc by Finley Fenn. And this, this is why, though. I have never read a book that tortured me so much so her fence like whole thing is that she has so many ups and downs in her books so like one minute they're happy the next they hate each other then they're happy then they hate each other then they're like meh then they hate each other again there's always a huge betrayal you know it's just like up and down up and down it's a whole roller coaster and that's what I love about romance novels I love being like built up 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 and then just dropped so hard Uh, It's just like the adrenaline that pumps through my body, the butterflies and like just the turmoil. Mm. It's absolutely delicious. Plus, I am petty as fuck. And there is a scene. This is kind of hard to describe. But there is a scene in which Jules, the heroine, is treated absolutely horribly by Grimar, who is like the leader of the orcs. There's a reason for it that I use to justify this. Like, I, like, whatever. Like, men in books kidnap women all the time and we don't have to justify their shit. But in retaliation, she basically freezes him out. He is so tortured by this and it is such a boss bitch move by her. It's so fucking petty, totally unhealthy, (laughs) and I loved it so fucking much. And so I just want to, like, bottle her vibe in that moment and use it to power my entire life because I am a straight up bitch and that was just the best move. I just love when heroines give like the hero the silent treatment or just like a mm-hmm, mm like, you know, just basically ignoring them and removing them from their life until they grovel. You guys know I love grovel. And yeah, so that's the book I would pick because it has so much drama. It has the drama of 15 books pack in, packed into one book. And I think if I'm going to only read a book for the rest of my life, it's gonna have to have that kind of power behind it. Now, I chose this question because I actually love telling the story, even though it is incredibly, incredibly embarrassing looking back, and I wanted to melt into the floor when I found out what happened. But a follower wanted to know if I have a real-life rom-com moment. And at first, I was going to say no because I couldn't really think of anything and I didn't want to have to think too hard. But then I got to thinking that a rom-com moment is truly a rom-com moment if other people would find it funny while in the moment you were horrified by it. That's how I define a rom-com moment. And maybe that is not accurate, but that's the story I'm going with. I am going to tell you the story of the time that I was in high school. I was a junior in high school. I think it was the summer before senior year. And I was attending a pool party with my friends and the boy I had a crush on. I was wearing a two-piece for the very first time in my life. I borrowed, because my only other swimsuit was like a racing suit because I was a swimmer. And I was like, I don't want to wear a racing suit to a pool party. And so my best friend, Danny, was like, I'll give you, I'll lend you a swimsuit. I was hating my entire life. I was like, I'm not getting out of the water. I'm fucking staying in this water, like shoulder deep so nobody can see me. And at one point, my friend Dan, and I'm still friends with like most of these people today, including Dan, even though this is his fault. Dan picks me up, tosses me over his shoulder and kind of throws me into the deeper end of the pool. That was it. Boop, done, okay. Six fucking years later, my best friend, Danny, goes, remember that time your boob popped out when Dan tossed you in the pool at Callan's house? I was like, what? What are you talking about? Like that didn't, that did not happen. Apparently what happened is my boob did pop out. My whole boob popped out. When I went under the water, one boy went, did everybody just see Katie's boob? Everybody nodded and then solemnly agreed to never bring it up. And so for six years, nobody said shit to me until Danny let it slip. I... And still horribly embarrassed. Like, I'm actually kind of glad that nobody fucking told me about this when it happened because I would have died in the moment. Can, like, I was so awkward and uncomfortable with my body and uncomfortable with boys that to have that happen in front of not only my friends, who I then had to look in the eye for the rest of my life, but the boy I had a huge crush on. No, that would have absolutely destroyed me. Looking back, it's actually kind of funny. Even funnier, I went on to date my crush for three months before he broke up with me two days after my birthday. But did he date me because of my boob? Maybe. Maybe one of these episodes I'll get him on here and ask him. (laughs) But, yeah, so looking back, like, that would have actually been a really hilarious, like, meet cute moment somehow. Or if I'd kept dating uh, that boy who was actually, like, a really not very good person. But yeah, that's my rom-com moment. I cannot believe that like 15 people were able to keep that a secret for six years. She was convinced somebody had told me and I was like, no, I've never. Do you, do you think if I'd heard that story, I would be reacting like this for the very first time? Absolutely not. Ugh, still embarrassed. And finally, I will wrap up this long-winded conversation about me, by me, to me. With, uh, by answering the question that I get the most. And so people are always popping into my DMs to tell me that they admire my give no fuck attitude about reading romance and that they wish that they could be as, like, confident as I am. They want to know the secret, basically, to not caring what other people think about you. If I knew the answer to that, I would sell it because I would make a ton of money. But basically, unfortunately, there is no magic spell to suddenly turning off the part of you that cares what other people think, even if it's just some, about something mundane like what you like to read. And one time I went to a party, like a real party as a senior, and I dumped out a can of beer and filled it with water because I didn't want to drink. So yeah, I wasn't mispopular, basically. I don't know. With romance novels, it just always seemed like I have so many bigger things to care about. You know, like I do care about people's opinions, but about much bigger things than what I'm what I'm intaking in terms of literature. So I guess my advice would be if you are new to romance, don't worry. All right. The confidence grows gradually. Okay, the longer that you surround yourself with fellow readers and friends who like the same books as you and, you know, just people who also read romance the more confident you're gonna become. Because, okay, people moan about social media and its impact on society, blah, blah, blah. But for every negative thing that social media brings into this world, there's also a positive, you know? And one of those positives is that social media helps people, especially people with kind of weird hobbies, connect to people who also have the same weird hobby. That's a long time to think that you're alone. I'm so grateful that I have this bookstagram and I've made so many amazing friends through it. It's only boosted my confidence and made me even more of an advocate for romance novels. Like I said, don't think that you're going to get to this level of confidence overnight. If you are, and if, if you can match my confidence, that is amazing. And I'm so happy that you are that confident about yourself. Together we can work to make other people more confident. But if you're new to romance and you want to get here, just like... Keep making friends. Tell people one, like if you tell one person in your real life that you read romance. Okay, that's all it takes. Tell one. And if they're a piece of shit about it, then tell them that. That's step one. But yeah, so I guess really the the main thing is to stop thinking that you're alone in your passion. That kind of isolation is only going to feed your insecurity. If you don't have a bookstagram, like you're just lurking on your actual Instagram and you're afraid to post about romance novels there, start a bookstagram. All right. Even if you don't want like thousands of followers, like if you just want to be able to talk freely about the books that you like, then fucking do that. I would like to be a friend. DM me. Like I DM people all the time to tell them that I'm obsessed with them and people DM me all the time. And I, I almost always respond. Okay. Also there, I would like to say that there is also no law that says you have to be loud about what you love. It's great if you want to be loud, but if you're totally fine reading romance on the DL. That's down low for anybody who didn't know that. And if you're totally fine reading romance on the down low and you don't even care if other people know about it, more power to you, all right? You do not have to tell people you read romance. You don't have to tell people that you read Monster Erotica. I do, and I'm sure people wish I didn't. If you do want to start being more comfortable with telling people about Monster Erotica, like I said, start small. Tell one person. Maybe don't go right to tentacles, okay? That's my main advice. Don't, like, start by telling them that you read, like, you're reading romance. Let their imagination kind of picture Nicholas Sparks. And then after you've lured them into a false sense of security, you can just be like, bam, tentacles. And like I said, I'm always available to chat if you're feeling down about something some asshole said to you about your books or if you want to talk about the proud way that you handled somebody being rude to you about your reading or if you just want to talk monster porn I'm here. And if you want advice on what to say to somebody, I can also help you work through that. Anyways, this kind of feels like it went into a more therapeutic level of podcast. So I'm going to wrap things up and just say that's episode one. Thanks to those of you who submitted questions. Obviously, there were way more questions and I just kind of had to narrow it down to some of the main ones. But I did save questions and I plan to whip them out in future episodes if it's relevant because some of you guys had some weird fucking questions. Coming up later this month, uh, we're going to have an author interview with the author who thought that Easter peep themed aliens that lay eggs made good romance heroes. They do. I'm also going to be bringing you an episode featuring my friend Michaela, whose idea of a good time is torturing the staff of her children's Catholic school. And then there will also be a Patreon-exclusive episode, like I mentioned, the topic of which is unknown, but will probably be super weird because I'm going to let them pick it. So thank you for tuning in to the Romantically Inclined podcast and read whatever the fuck you want. See you guys next week.